Genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one triumphant sword reveal at a time. I'm Swing. Cassandra Fredrickson. Norman Mitchell. Jing, That's sparkle, me. sparkle. <laughs> um, <laughs> and joining us again this week, we have Zach Luna. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hey, thanks for having me again. Yeah. Um, so today we're talking about Minute 103, which starts with Aragorn uh, pulling the sword from the scabbard. Yeah. Um, and it ends with Eowyn um, kind of ad- admonishing Aragorn, saying, you cannot leave on the eve. And we get the rest of that sentence yeah. tomorrow. We get wow. some fiery Miranda Otto right at the end of My this My favorite. Right? Bless. This is the yeah. best. Ugh. We need to watch Sabrina so we can just watch Miranda Otto be mean. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Have you guys been watching that show? Like, no, we haven't watched like any of it. Oh, but yeah. I just know that Miranda Otto is the mean aunt. It is. Okay, I... I cannot say like a sort of blank like oh everyone will love the show or this show is great because it is the storytelling is weirdly compressed and it's very teen it's very teen but the Miranda Otto stuff is amazing she is uh, a force of nature and I love her forever and mm-hmm. uh, she is one of my TV wives and I will follow her anywhere she <laughs> just Aunt Zelda in that show is. Just a big old hashtag mood all of the time. And she like carries around a cigarette in one of those like weird little like 1920s cigarette holders. Like Corella DeVille. Yeah. And just like throws shade all day long. God, it's great. Um, But we'll get to her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We start with with this sword coming out of the sheath. Yeah. With a very satisfying sound effect that is slightly truncated from the way the minute was split. Yeah. But man, does it roll. Uh. He just it's so good. Swing, and then he does a little move where, like, because you know they did this sort of handoff yesterday when uh, Elrond like lifted up the sword and held it out sideways uh, to to present it to Aragorn. He like had the hilt by his right hand, Elrond's right hand, and then when Aragorn took it and it was looking at it, he flipped it around the other way so that it would be by his right hand. And then finally he does the shing, and he does like another extra flip thing, and it goes up in front of his face, and it's. It's almost like that moment we were talking about at Amon Hen when he does a little salute with the sword, and it's so cool. I they are it. so close. I wonder if Hugo Weaving was just, you better not elbow me in the face. <laughs> right, don't hit me in the yeah. face with this hunk of metal, please. <laughs> if At this point in the third movie, if I trust anybody to be able to swing around a sword without knocking me in the face, it's Viggo Mortensen. That's He's true. Just, <laughs> he, like, you know, Bob Anderson was just like, no one has ever picked this up faster. Right, yeah. God, look at him. And the music is, you know, all of the brass instruments are playing and the light from the fire is glinting off the blade. And it's so good. Um, the blade we, of this sword has to be like three and a half feet. At least. Yeah. This thing. It's massive. <laughs> I could probably uh, surreptitiously look it up while we're talking to get the exact dimensions. But yeah, that's a, that's a big sword. That's at least like a 40 inch blade on that i'm gonna i'm gonna say i'm gonna guess i'm gonna guess i'm gonna say 44 inch blade and then like later on i will have looked it up and we can so if he can't wear it in a scabbard and a scabbard on a belt holds a blade slightly tilted Mm -hmm. and he's vigo's what like six one he's like six ish feet tall tall. yeah yeah yeah. so 
he probably has like a 34 inch or 36 inch inseam yeah a guy that tall (laughs) yeah 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 so like this this blade has to be at least 40 inches long (laughs) yeah it is wild um Okay. Oh man, it's like the the site is broken because you have to look it up on the uh, the the Master Swordsmiths collection thing. Uh, at Weta is the only like replica of this blade that's the right size, basically. Because um, yeah. basically, Peter Line was working off of the actual physical uh, templates he had. So I will double check later. But it's it's big, is what we're saying. Yeah. And uh, we get the shot where the camera like tilts up to follow the blade. <laughs> I just I kind of want a super cut of it just continuing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Like, um, what's the what's the the Pokemon with the giant sword in the new Pokemon? Oh, game? oh Surfetch. So, yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> it just keeps going and going. And going. <laughs> You're like it's scrolling on your phone. So, and believe. What's the um? Uh, what's the name of the guy that wanted to direct this movie? Wanted to do a Lord of the Rings in the seventies. He wanted up doing Excalibur. What's oh. that guy's name? Oh, oh, um, um, oh, it's John know. something. What is his name? And the kids coming to me by. By which I mean, I'm googling uh, Excalibur film, the one with uh, what's his face in it, uh, John Borman. John, <laughs> John Borman. Borman. So yeah. I'm just kind of imagining what this moment would have been like in that movie that John Borman wanted to make, because <laughs> reading about that Lord of the Rings script is insane. It's wild. <laughs> so I'm just imagining like this happens outside among a cairn of stones, and he draws the blade, and then like lightning strikes it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, it would have been a bit more of a to-do. But what's what's amazing is that this just, like, intimate scene where this is, like, two guys in a tent feels as big as anything that's ever been on screen, I think. Like, it is just... It's it's that, what we were talking about earlier in the week. It's all of the, the pieces of the filmmaking coming together and contributing to making the moment feel larger than life with the production design and the environment they're in and the, the way that they've done the lighting and the music and the the actors connecting here at this moment and how good he is at swinging the sword up in the air. It's like, so it, it feels as big as, you know, a mountaintop with lightning crashing or whatnot, mm-hmm. but it's just, that's our boy. Look at him. He's a king now. <laughs> Look at him. Put aside the ranger. Oh, that's oh, such a good line. <laughs> become who you were born to be. Come on. That is just, ah, oh, it's just the coolest. That line was in the trailer, right? I feel like I remember that line. Uh, it must have been. <laughs> yeah. It must have been. That is a trailer line, if I ever. <laughs> so the, oh, uh, yeah. For the, sure. The Weta site says it's uh, about a 42-inch blade. Um, oh, at yeah. Least, at least 54 inches overall, this ridiculous sword. 54 <laughs> inches. So it is... Wow. It's a big boy. It's a... So it's... Well, 5 times 12 is... It's four and a half feet long total. Oh my it's god! Big. Yeah, hell yeah! God, it looks so cool. A fifty-four-inch does... blade, yeah, sixty <laughs> inches is five feet. So, well, 50, 54 inches overall, not the not the blade. Yeah, 50, 54 inch total. So, like, yeah. this, this is a four and a half foot long blade, four four and a half foot long sword yeah. in total with its hilt. This, this Just... sword is almost as tall as my mother. Is yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, <laughs> this sword is literally. Uh, Hobbit size, right? <laughs> or no, dwarf size? It is, is exactly one foot shorter than me. I love it. Yes. If I had this next to me, this would be my claymore. This would be my... <laughs> it's so good. And, uh, I would have to walk around with the, with a little pad on my shoulder to carry this thing on. Uh, I love, too, that there's a little bit of it uh, sort of vibrating as the... As the, the um, the camera pans up the length of oh, it because from... the blade is so long and they have to get so thin near the end that yeah, just the yeah. 
the the distal taper goes down to the point because you want you want a big long sword to flex unless you have like a like a like a type 15 or something with a really strong middle rib that has to be super super thin but for the most part the weird thing about swords where they get complicated once you start making them bigger and bigger is that they're not like knives where it's like basically a static object like a knife is short and it's stiff and all you have to think about is like the shapes of the bevels and how you make the edge and whatnot to get through the material cutting but like you hold a knife and you push and whatnot with it a sword you like hit things with it's a percussive instrument basically so you have to pay attention to how it vibrates basically in in the cut and all that there's no give it's gonna break exactly yeah that's why you have that like spring steel and the heat treatment and all that like you can yeah you can usually treat a knife like like through treat a knife to a harder um like rockwell hardness than a sword all the way through the spine because if a if a knife is a little stiff a little brittle but for the most part you're not gonna run into problems because you're doing you know you're not smacking things with it unless it's like a combat knife or something but a sword has to flex and give and return and all that but in the ways that you want it to and so there's a thing they call the center of percussion uh which is like one of the vibrational nodes on on the sword so if you hit like a and any object that makes sound and vibrates when you strike it, like on a on a xylophone, one of the bars on that. If you look on a on a xylophone, if you strike that bar that's making the tone or whatever, there's two spots where it's held down to the instrument, right? Like the um, the thing is vibrating, and right. then on either side, sometimes it's a screw, sometimes it's a little post it's sitting on. But where do you have that vibrating object touch the thing that's holding it? Because you don't want to lose the vibrations of the sound it's making. And what those two points on that xylophone bar are, are the centers of percussion. They're these nodes of vibration where when the bulk of the object is moving and wiggling, those spots don't move. So you can uh, hold it there and it will ring longer. Or if you were not, if your goal wasn't the vibration, if you wanted to hit something with it and transfer all of the energy from that bar into that other object, you would hold it at one of those points and strike with the other point because you're not losing that energy to vibration, basically. So on a sword, essentially where you're holding it in the hilt is one node of vibration, and then somewhere up on the blade is the secondary node of vibration. So you can kind of right. see it in this shot as it pans up. Like the whole thing is vibrating because of the the movie pull where it goes swing and the sound right. and whatnot. Uh, not that it's moving a lot, obviously, but you can sort of tell as we go up further there's a point where it stops vibrating and then the tip is moving. Yeah. And so that Yeah, it's point... kind of going the opposite direction. Right, exactly. So that point where that switch happens is the part of the sword that's vibrating the least. And that's why they call it the center of percussion. Because if you wanted yeah. to strike something with the sword and not have a lot of like energy, like vibration in your hand or transference that way, that's the point you hit with. Isn't yeah. that wild? Like, that's yeah. so cool. Right, and because... <laughs> because that's also kind of the most solid point of the blade that mm-hmm. resists vibration that's also where you train to hit to with hit it things with exactly it. because yeah. that's where you're going to transfer the most force from the mm-hmm. blade to something else when you strike it and that's where the uh um the cross section of the blade should be best suited for cutting if it's a cutting sword um like you can pass that point of percussion you can change the geometry to make the point a little stiffer if you need to be stabby stabby with it but uh-huh. in terms of like the best cutting performance of the sword that's the spot and you can just sort of see it very very if you're watching very closely you can watch that happen there because they had to build these things in a way where they could be used and i just get ah, i don't know i just get like that's a hand forged blade 
yeah it's the real deal like it shivers down my spine and you when they have the second shot where you look at it um it was like right next to his face and they have like the runes and the fuller in the center of it they have that lovely uh hollow ground quality to the bevels on the sword which i think i talked about when i was here last time but essentially peter lyon the swordsmith who did all of the hero swords for this film new zealand guy amazing um i i have i don't know him i have only talked to him very very briefly on like sword message ports but he's 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 a known quantity a known element in the sword world and uh, one of the things that he is kind of known for is putting these deep hollow ground um bevels in this in the swords that he does for movies because as he's as he's put it it catches the light better in that if you were to have this this uh, screen like seven seconds in where he's next to the sword and he's looking at it, you have all these cool dark and light contrasts going up and down the blade there because the uh, quote-unquote flat sections of the blade that do the cutting are not flat diagonal. They're not like a, a flat diamond. They bevel inward. There's a there's a groove in the center of the blade, but the flat part portions also have... It curves, yeah. A curve it's not... inward. Yeah. It's uh, concave towards the towards the blade. Towards the blade. yeah, yeah. It goes goes inward a little bit, which means that the the shadows from the ridges get stronger on camera, and the um the transition from the groove to the bevel is uh, it's easier to catch the light, and that so that you get these really nice delineations of bright white light from catching the light, and then a hard dark corner, and then the groove, and then another hard dark corner that like. The sword, you could have the basic shape of the sword be the same, and it wouldn't look this interesting on camera if you didn't grind those extra bevels in. Mm-hmm. And hollow grinding like that is very hard to do, and it uh, takes extra time. And it's you basically, once you've set the, the um, overall shape of the blade, you just have to do that by um, holding the blade on the, the grinder that you're using. In the in the past, it would have been like a a big wheel, like a... Like a a stone a round stone like a, like a whetstone that's moving you know circularly mm-hmm. that can grind out those bevels and you would hold it along that these days you have like a big fancy belt sander but it's the same principle at yeah. any rate you have to do that by hand you can't cheat your way to that you can't like yeah. have that automatically happen it is just this like extra detail and skill level that you have to apply to the blade and uh and it was more common on swords in like uh the 15th and 16th century, which is again where we're aiming with the overall shape and design of this blade. So, worth the time, worth the effort. Look mm-hmm. how cool it looks. It just looks so cool. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if my parents still have it. But when I was a kid, uh, and it wound up upstairs in the garage at my parents' place, so I don't know if it's still there or not. Mm-hmm. There is a uh, foot pedal powered whetstone for sharpening farm tools that belonged Ooh. to like my great great grandparents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the same Super principle. Old it's just. School. It's, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's big. the The stone on this thing is like two feet two feet across. Wow, awesome! Yeah. It's got all kinds of chips in it. You would never be able to use it to sharpen anything. Yeah, uh, but... but the pedal still worked. I used to always like play with it as a kid <laughs> and just like hold my hand on it and like feel it kind of move and stuff. <sighs> I always thought it was really cool because it was yeah. bigger than me. But I, the foot pedals could let me work it, operate it. But yeah, I would yeah. never never be able to move it because it's a two foot wide like four inch deep stone disc right <laughs> right yeah the magic of uh, machines and mechanical advantage and all of that and then yeah. somehow all of that feels imbued in the object that exists after the fact and um the other thing too is that when you have a um a hollow grind on a, a sword like this for for a film prop 
if you over exaggerate the hollow grind you can make the um uh the, the the central ridges a bit bigger than they would normally be with a more flat ground blade and uh and you can also have the edges thicker than they would be so basically you are making sure that the blade is is light but also um has enough meat on the edge that you can use to make it safe basically oh. so like a sort of this same weight that didn't have those hollow grinds in it didn't have that material m- removed would have to be flatter and thinner in cross section right yeah. So if it was flatter and thinner in cross section, it would be concentrating the force from whoever's swinging the sword into a narrower edge, which is more more dangerous. dangerous yeah. Right. So it's one of those things where it's all of these things at once. It's like a, a cool visual element. It'll look more interesting on screen. It also means that you can leave your edges a bit thicker for safety and uh, not make the sword overly heavy because of that. It's like. Yeah, the- the bevel lets you kind of trick the camera so the short sword looks mm-hmm. like it has a thinner, sharper edge in the light, but it doesn't really. Right, because it's like the the portion where the hollow hollow ground element of the bevel stops, and then we have the the thicker edge there looks like a sharpened edge in the light. It's like a it's all tricks. It's all I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's wild, but at the end of the day, we have this image where Aragorn holds this thing, and you can just see those runes come into the light and it's mm-hmm. this magical mystical object and and it's it's as cool as any lightsaber in any star wars movie i think yeah Cooler. i agree <laughs> yeah it's cool it's real cool <laughs> it's real cool are these are these runes supposed to be elvish i believe so okay yeah they look vaguely like i don't know i always associate runes with dwarves yeah, yeah, that is a little strange. Isn't but it? I mean, like the moon runes and stuff; yeah. those are in oh, Elvish. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, mine's a Moria, so I guess it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is interesting. I know in the in the books, it's just described as having a certain number of like star elements on the blade and this inscription, and their version of that was to do these runes um, all along the center like that. Um, yeah, but I don't know what the actual. I have I have not boned up on my uh, Tolkien in a while, so I don't remember what it says on the plane. <laughs> but yeah, the and then Elrond after he looks at it, he's just, the man who carries this blade can command an army more deadly than any other that walks the earth. Ah, oh. and like look at that shot. So it's just their two heads. It's like two shot, right? They cannot move a lot, but look how active he is in the frame. It's like he's got all of this uh pent-up like electricity in his yeah, veins yeah he's he looks so in cool. in profile he looks almost like manic like yeah he's just yeah. like okay this is this is go time you got to do this it's also mm-hmm. interesting too how elrond uh the light on elrond's face makes it look like he's more in shadow and yes. vigo even though his face is darker it looks mm-hmm. like more light is actually kind of hitting him yeah, so, it's like the the warmer tone on the right side of the screen versus the, the cooler the tone on the left. Because yeah. it, it's Elrond passing this into t- to Aragorn. It's your turn to become active. You need to do something. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he is in the warmer colors and Elrond's in the cooler colors because he's about to completely fall out of this story. Yeah. He's passing a torch, you know, yeah. and, the, and so you have the firelight on him, on, a, on a Aragorn. I mean. Yeah, because the fire is behind Elrond. God, it's so <laughs> filmmaking. Come on, get out of here. Those rules. I love it. <laughs> I also like this shot um, about like fifteen seconds in, where they're speaking to each other in profile because mm-hmm. the sword is like central in the shot. It looks like it's like breaking them. I don't know. It's, it's it looks yeah. it looks like you could be in, so in an cool. anime opening, just yeah, like separating of, yeah. two characters. Totally, totally. Yeah. 
oh man it's so cool and then he gets that that you know the trailer line with the uh you know put aside the ranger become you were born to be and it's just he is so good at acting basically like i'm using a lot of words over several days to say this but like man hugo weaving's good at acting Uh oh yeah (laughs) this this just like me just talking about how great john noble is in every scene as dennis so far. <laughs> right oh, yeah, man. just he's just he just kills it oh so good but just and then elrond is just you got to take the dimult road and aragorn puts the sword down he's just like really Ooh. yeah it's like like we were having fun a second ago but oh boy oh uh-oh and he puts the sword away and he's like well i guess dad <laughs> yeah <laughs> And then they have that exchange in, in Elvish, which... Um, I give hope I, to men. Yeah. I keep none for myself. It's like, I, they translate it as I keep none for myself, but he uh-huh. uses the word hope in his line, too, because he says yeah. he says Estelle. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I keep no hope for myself. Yeah. yeah. And this is... Uh, I'm pretty sure in, when I saw it in theaters, they had, like, subtitles for that, because I, I remember... Yeah, they do. Those be the, yeah, it's just in this, and the, the video footage we have is just them talking, which is kind of cool to just see them talk the Elvish at each other, and it's a very personal, like, exchange there. Mm-hmm. But what's what's really cool about it, and Norm would know better than I would, but um, isn't that, that word for hope, isn't that, like, Aragorn's Elvish name? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So the but, idea of, like, uh, giving hope to mankind, he's the hope for mankind. I give you to mankind. Yeah. That's like him giving away his surrogate son mm. as he is about to pass on into the West and leave his leave him behind. Like he's not just giving him symbolically, it's physically like you are staying here. Yeah. That's cool to me. Yeah. It is cool, man. All of this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're so like you can see it on their faces too, the like the weight of their history together and how this is yeah. maybe the last time Elrond will see him and how he has to step into the light and be be the like the big deal hero now mm-hmm. um yeah go be a big damn hero aragorn right <laughs> just uh yeah this this moment my brain i'm having trouble i had a thought yeah, it's, fine. it's, it's okay. falling out where is it's it all right i like seeing like theoden's armor behind them at this moment when in terms of like we're still oh, yeah, it's just kind of chilling on a weapon rack kind of chilling yeah we're we're in this kingly space we're talking about kings and you are now the the real deal king and look at all this kingly stuff but this isn't yours you got to go out and get get your stuff yeah you have to oh i <laughs> remember gonna... what i was gonna yeah go for it Hugo weaving in the cast commentary uh talks about how him and vigo were always trying to incorporate as much elvish as possible in their scenes together mm-hmm. but oh, wow. oftentimes because it took so long to learn the lines and like Sam Wright and like appease the linguist on set for how they were saying they're Elvish. Uh, just like, no, that's not right. They, <laughs> anytime they had to re-record scenes, any Elvish they had done for the original cut pretty much got dropped, mm-hmm. which made them both oh, very wow. sad because then they wouldn't have time to relearn more Elvish when lines were being rewritten. Oh, that's sad. But shame. what is still there is because Hugo and Vigo both really wanted there to be Elvish in scenes between Elrond and V and, and, Right. Aragorn, yeah, because yeah. that's the language they would have spoken most with each other in Rivendell. Right, that makes sense. <sighs> that's so cool. It's like And it's probably it the language sh- that Aragorn is honestly more comfortable more speaking. More like, fluent in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where he's more himself at that moment. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a shame that we didn't see more of it, but the fact that what is there is so powerful is just a testament to their effort in trying to do their best at giving justice to this. God, man. Look at them. Look at them talk and say things and make the world real. And it's 
again we've been, it's like what we're three days in this and it's still just been two guys in a tent and it yeah. feels like the the entire scope of the world is in there with them i just love it i just hugo weaving it. is also slightly taller than vigo mortensen yeah elrond is just a little taller than than aragorn in this scene i don't know if i really noticed that in any of the other scenes between these two guys yeah but I, I wonder how many other people are taller than aragorn i like i don't know not Elves many i don't tall. think yeah yeah, not many that. But Legolas isn't taller than Aragorn, is he? Like uh, maybe Boromir was taller. Um, I think Boromir was was taller. A little taller. Yeah. I mean, Sean Bean, big boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good big dude. <laughs> but uh, they, John Howe, uh, also when he's talking about the design of the sword of Anduril, just like offhand, you know, people were bigger in the first and second ages when the sword would have been designed for. Uh, <laughs> that makes that's sense awesome. too. It does. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, you know, they were closer to the the, they were closer to the the blood of elves in the Numenorean lines back mm. when this sword was originally made. Oh, that's cool. Which also gives credence to like I don't know the specific lineage of uh, some of the other elven blades we've seen, like um, uh, like Glamdring and Sting, but uh, that gives Glamdring's more... pretty big too. <laughs> yeah, because again, you know, uh, Gandalf, huge guy, not a, not a small boy, old, old Gandalf. Yeah, Ian so McKellen's pretty, pretty tall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and the idea that like. Because Sting is like, it's a sword. Like, let's be real. They call it a dagger, but it's a sword. But if it was made in an age where people were even more substantially taller and broader than they are now, then it makes more sense that the idea of Sting just being like an elven dagger from back then, even though it's a big old dagger now. Right. And it's not really designed to look like a dagger. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's... (laughs) Like, if it was designed to look like a dagger, maybe... Because we see Elven daggers a bit more, yeah. We've seen, we saw one last week. Like, come on, Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But i i will I will give them some some leeway on that because I love the way Sting looks in these films. Oh yeah, that's sort of Uh, the like kind of leaf shaped blade is really cool. Yeah, it's like it's like a Celtic uh, shape of the blade, but on like a you know like a type 18 type. uh, There's a sword in Westminster Abbey that I think is a Henry the Eighth sword. That's this like riding sword that has a you know strong spine like that and slightly curvy edges and it's just a it's a small sword but it's very powerful looking because it would have been like a like an archer's sidearm type of thing like it wasn't a a big big sword but it's yeah but archers also weren't scrawny guys archers were very strong yeah (laughs) right exactly and it's just like well it's a sidearm because like i'm here to use the bow and do what what but when i pull out the sword it's gotta you know it's gotta get to work so i love the idea of that like that compact blade still looking very powerful. So I will give them the fact that it doesn't really look like a dagger if it looks that cool. Like, that's a cool, yeah. <laughs> cool looking sword. I mean, it's, to a lot of people, Sting is the iconic weapon from these movies. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the story in general, because it comes from The Hobbit, so it's carried all the way through. So, like, to oh, most yeah. people, I feel like Sting is is the iconic weapon for this story, not yeah. Anduril. Mm. Yeah, it's funny, because, like, this... This feels like narrative wise, at least at this point in the story, like the big sword, you know, capital T, capital S, the sword. Um, but even for me, like watching the, when I rewatch these movies so much, um, it doesn't it doesn't come in till the, the like not quite back half, but like till halfway through this movie. So for me, Aragorn's old ranger sword, that was always my like number one cool sword. The, like, that's the one I want. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's my Excalibur. And I did. I did actually spend uh, 10 some odd years trying to get the best version of that possible. Because so, yeah. like I got the, 
like official like reproduction one that united cutler makes it's like a you know it's meant to be hung on a wall it's a piece of you know memorabilia right and so it's like the 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 grind on it isn't quite what we were talking about earlier about having that great distal taper all the way to the tip so it's it's a little heavy in hand and it was like stainless steel not like real carbon steel and it you couldn't like cut anything with it it was just a thing to hang on your wall and like it just felt kind of dead in my hand and i was like this will not do me at like age 13 <laughs> this will not do and so i went on this like quest that's basically why i got so into learning about how swords are made and you know who custom makers are and whatnot because i wanted more than anything to have that so a, a sword that made me feel the way that ranger like sword a battle ready ranger sword yeah yeah exactly and so to make a longish story slightly shorter uh what i eventually ended up with 10 years later was i have my ranger sword which is the blade on it is made um, by this company, Albion Armors, in uh, New Glarus, Wisconsin, which is, like, probably the best production sword maker out there. Production meaning they, they don't, like, make custom sword, custom one-off swords for people. Like, they have, you know, a catalog you choose from. Mm-hmm. But basically, they uh, the guy, Peter, um, oh my god, Peter Johnson, who designed that one, different than Peter Lyon, who made this. Uh, Peter Johnson's a Swedish sword maker, and he took, basically, um, data and scans of real swords real uh, museum pieces and all these close measurements and then they made computer models making sort of an idealized version of each type so the sword that i have then they cut it out of (laughs) high carbon steel on a cnc milling machine so it's like a mathematically perfect representation of a type 16a longsword uh that's really cool (laughs) it's ridiculous but like basically like it feels exactly the way a real sword from that time period would have felt because it's based on the actual distribution of mass in the authentic objects. Mm-hmm. And then they finish it by hand and make it really nice. Um, and but I it had started the blade with from math. that. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Then I had the blade from that manufacturer sent to this other guy, Christian Fletcher, who's a cutler, uh, who focus who is a, an expert on like sort of fantasy designs and stuff. And so he made the hilt for that sword. So it's a historical blade. But the hilt it's mounted in looks like the ranger sword hilt from this move. And then I nice. got it in, in dark red instead of dark green because I wanted it to be my sword. Right. So I... <laughs> That's sweet. It's so crazy. Or maybe when, when this episode goes up, I can like uh, send you guys pictures or whatever. But it was like that to me, that's the Lord of the Ring. That's the Lord of the Ring sword is the ranger sword. Yeah. That's sick. Because oh, I think aside from um, uh, the sword in the prologue, yeah. Um, his ranger sword is the first one we see in the trilogy. I think. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he because sh- he shows up with town. it, he has it in in, Bre- in Bre- yeah, and he like Bre- defends yeah. with it. When when Sam calls him Longshanks, yeah. he like, whips out that sword. <laughs> it's like, well, Lord of the Rings. So that sword now is taller than the man you're about to stab it with. Yeah. Stab with it. <laughs> Just, ooh. All right, but I so I think good. I think this is probably my third favorite of the swords in the trilogy. Andrew, yeah. As far as yeah, how they look, because my favorite sword has painfully little screen time. But it oh, would've... dude, Arwen's sword. Yeah, oh, Arwen's my favorite yeah. sword. Yeah, uh, rules. In the original oh. version of the movie, where she she showed up in Helm's Deep, we would have seen it more. <sighs> yeah, because we but see a like... little bit of it when Elrond has it in the prologue, and then we just basically have the uh, um, the the ch- Ringwraith chase when she's got Frodo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it's like yeah. Arwen's sword, and then Theoden's sword, and then this one are like mm-hmm. my favorite ones. Yeah. I really like Glam Drink too. I think yeah. uh, Gandalf's sword is up there, up there with my favorites. And in the in those Hobbit movies, I actually really love the way Orchrist looks, even though there's other parts of those movies I don't like. 
<laughs> yeah, that's fair. Like Orchrist is like this falchion kind of thing. It's cool. Yeah, I really like the blade on Orchrist. I'm not the hugest fan of the hilt they chose. It's like a big weird dragon's tooth or whatever, but uh the the blade is really cool. I think yeah. it's it works. Um all right, so he puts away the sword. They <laughs> have that <laughs> moment and he, he realizes what he has to do, so he like shrink puts it away and they have again i mean you wouldn't want that like sound effect to happen in real life because that would mean like the, the locket on the top of your scabbard like is scraping grinding, yeah. yeah yeah you don't you don't want that but it sounds real cool and you want it to go ni- nice and smooth and then just a snug little click and that's it yeah yeah because the click should only be the the locket hitting the guard like there shouldn't be any metal touching the, the blade portion yeah. itself it should just be the uh the wood core of the scabbard just grabbing it at the last bit yeah whatever um it's a cool moment he goes he just puts it all away like with two hands he's very good at it (laughs) and he need two hands because he couldn't have done that if it was on his belt nope because needs his full full arm span to put this sword away would have worn the scabbard if he like had it strapped across his back or that's actually way more impractical than you think it is i know but it's like a cool he's like a cool fantasy hero yeah it would have it would have fit on his frame, mm-hmm. but um, it wouldn't have. I I would have been more upset basically. Because <laughs> like drawing that when a fight starts off your back, is yeah, yeah, just yeah. Not no, easy. I understand, but it looks cool. So <laughs> it does yeah. look cool. But if, catch yeah. the Witcher on Netflix. Um, mm. Although his swords are weirdly short in the Witcher, that's the main thing that bothers me with those swords. It's like. Because he did have to draw them from his back, practically. Yeah. They just basically took his, short, his swords and shortened them. So, like, it's like a short sword, but with a long sword hilt. Very weird. Um, huh. But the, I, the fight scenes in that are great. Anyway, <laughs> we, go, we go outside the tent, and we have a little bit of Miranda He's got it tucked <laughs> under his arm, and it's clear that this sword is it's too huge. big. <laughs> it looks cool, though, man. Look at it glinting in the moonlight. My more. sword is too big. <laughs> My sword is too big. <laughs> and loading up the horse and there. Here comes Miranda Otto. Look, she's so young. Oh, my God. And so mad. <laughs> she's mad. Yeah. She should be, right? I mean, for And sad. Just mad. Sad. <sighs> yeah. It's like he's abandoned How dare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're supposed to be the guy. You're supposed to be the guy. Come on. We need you, you jerk. I think distraught is, is a good word. She's yeah. distraught. <laughs> The way any of us would be if Viggo Mortensen left. Right. <laughs> if he'd been here for weeks and then he just just tried to leave without saying anything. Viggo, where time. are you going? Hank, well, come on, buddy. That's kind of his MO, That's though. totally like, his thing. He's just abandoning women in the yeah. night. <laughs> Tries to do it to Arwen. She shows up mad. What a cat. Tries to do it to Miranda. <laughs> she shows up mad. Yeah. <laughs> what like time of day do we think this is uh, when he's like, actually making this choice? Two, 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 two a.m. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Like the moon's you, still you pretty should. high in the sky. <laughs> he woke up from a nightmare just a bit ago. It's like two a.m. <laughs> and he just has that one like hand caught in the cookie jar look back at her. Like he doesn't say anything in this minute. He just like. She's like, what are you doing? And he just looks back like, uh... Nothing? This is not uh, a conversation I wanted to have ever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I was trying to avoid exactly this. (laughs) Oh, no. This is 100% what I didn't want to be happening. Okay. And it's happening. (laughs) And and it's happening. Oh, boy. Um, You got to imagine that just there were people seeing him, like, get his horse ready. And they're like, oh, someone better go tell (laughs) Eowyn. 
<laughs> or no, 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 not somebody better go tell Eowyn. Who's going to tell Eowyn? Who's, who's oh. going to tell her? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be the messenger. No, thank yeah. You. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to. They got a, they got a bowl of gross soup in their face. <laughs> oh, bless I her. love how her um, swishy sleeve things um, look in the moonlight, yeah. too. Yeah. She just storms over. Like, even yeah, Amber like... was part of that conversation. Who's going to go tell her? Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be me. I order you to go tell her. Yeah. Let's make a wide berth. Can you guys just get out of the way? Just Everybody move. She's coming. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah, they're like backlit in the mm-hmm. in the moonlight. She's like a like an angry ghost coming to get her. Because he's going to go get angry ghosts. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's all my notes. It just ends with angry ghost. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair, yeah. Totally fair. So, um, (laughs) uh, I think that wraps up today. Uh, Sure. (laughs) Yeah, put a bow on it. Yeah, we're Mm. put an angry ghost on it. Um, We're all from the website DuelingGenre.com. If you haven't already, check out some of the other Dueling Genre Movies by Minute podcasts, starting with Spider-Man Minute, if you're into our old friend Spidey. Hey. Uh, yeah, hosted by Zach and um, Scott Corelli. And who knows, maybe he'll show up in Doctor Strange too. Yeah, we'll see. Who knows, man? Anything <laughs> can happen. Oh, crazy. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. And, good. And uh, I think that wraps it up for today. Everyone have a good Wednesday, and we'll be back tomorrow uh, to deal with this conversation. Yep. <laughs> Bye. Bye.